Yo, 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 welcome to episode number 34 of Riffs on Tap. I'm your host, Alejandro, joined with... Riley. It's another twofer, just us today. We need to get into this right off the top. Um, we're going to go right into the beer. I know we don't normally just jump right into the beer. We, you know, we got to, we're spitting silly for a bit. This is an interesting whistle. one. Yeah. Um, can you read me that name? Because it's... Yeah, so it is... Another Martin House Brewing Company. I think this is our, what, third or f- third? Yeah, like third the, or so in yeah, the last like, uh, month. Called Astronaut Apocalypse. Uh, 12%. It is an Imperial Stout with coconut. So we're a music podcast and we're also a beer podcast. Yes. So in music, if an artist, let's say a rap song, got, they got one verse on there, it's featuring yeah. the artist. So, you know, it's whatever featuring Snoop Dogg. Yes. If it's so and so with someone, that's like man, they have a it's a, like a, it's a recurring. You know, they have they have a few verses. Yeah, exactly. So it's you know they maybe share half. They're half and half. Yeah. This is not with coconut. This is, this coconut, is coconut featuring Imperial Stout. Yeah. Um, you were right. We we took a sip of this right before we started recording, and you were the one who. What'd you say about it? You, you just said the coconut just stood out. Yeah. It, it's kind of like like there's rum and then there's like a coconut rum where it's just straight fucking coconut. That's all you taste. That's what this is. Yeah, you're it's a just, beer version of a coconut rum. Yeah, you're hitting the face and it's and we glossed over it, um, but it's twelve percent and that yeah. tastes so sweet and delicious. I can see why they sell it as a four pack, not a six pack. Yes, because you will get fucked up on these. I'm a big fan of coconut, so I mean it's good. It's not something I would drink a lot of. Yeah, there's not something I would drink all night, but it's something that, wow, there's a, there's a good way to get your night started, I think. Something yeah. sweet, or maybe to end your night, something yeah. sweet. Um, but yeah, this is really, really good. And honestly, um, I mentioned this to Riley right before we started. I would not have purchased this beer if I would have read it said Imperial Stout. And the only reason why, and it may seem dumb, like, what do you mean? You didn't read the can? You just bought a, grabbed a beer? No, no, no. I read the can, but the way the lettering is on this can, so it's, it's like a guy kind of creeping, like, in an eight, like a spaceship, creeping around the corner trying to see, like, oh, what's, what's right around the corner? Is that the monster, the demon? And so as you spin the can around, the name wraps around the can, but, like, goes into it depth-wise. So it's hard even to read the name. It's, it's Astronaut Apocalypse. It was, I was having a hard time seeing it the first time I saw it. And right on the bottom, in, like, perfect letters that match the flooring of it and, like, the angle and the way it's lined up says Imperial Style with Coconut. And it's, like, so slanted and hard to read. I completely missed that. I just went, oh, Astronaut Apocalypse. There's probably some IPA or something. It's 12%. Okay, we'll get this. And I got to say, it is a fantastic can design. It really is fucking great artwork on this. Yeah. Uh, which we don't talk too much about. We'll 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 mention standout cans every once in a while. Like I like Swifties, old school, like retro style. Yes. Um, but yeah, like I think uh, the next time I go to uh, to the store, I'm gonna just look for the craziest artwork, and I think I'm gonna pick our next beer just solely going off of artwork. I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah, it's like you, you don't you don't come in with preconceived notions of oh, I don't like IPAs or I don't like stouts. Because what happened? I don't like stouts. I hate stouts. They're heavy. And I just drinking this feels so easy to drink. It's refreshing. Let's, I mean, the other night I was at the bar and uh, they had a new beer, the Irish Stout. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a fan of Guinness. It's similar. So I was like, I'll try it. 
fantastic. Fucking loved it. Just, you know, took a leap. Sometimes you got to take a leap, try yeah. new things. <laughs> Did the bartender recommend that? Because I know you typically like to go, you'll take whatever, you let the bartender yeah. choose. Did the yes. bartender recommend that one? Yes. Okay. Um, dude, yeah, I, yeah, I missed. I wish it, I would have been able to go out with y'all on Tuesday. Um, just I got all my dates all mixed up. And uh, been doing that a lot lately. Same. Uh, like today I was um, at work and I was talking to some people and I had no idea what day it was. I just, is it Monday? Is it Saturday? Is it, I had no idea what day it was. I thought today was Wednesday. Dude, but in our favor, we're one day closer to Friday. Yeah. We're right there. It's Thursday, Thursday, baby. Yes. Tomorrow is fun Friday. Um, but yeah, no, um, Thursday. Yeah, man. Um, which, so normally we talk about music, the timing of the recording of this. And when new music comes out, it's awkward because this goes out once new music is happening and we're listening to it. Yes. So sometimes we'll miss things from last week because it happened a week ago when we were recording it. Um, so that's why I have to look. We both look through our phone to uh, see what albums we listened to this week or what we've been listening to. Um, but there was an album that came out today. Um, and um, normally, like I said, music comes out on Friday, but now it's coming out today and it was fantastic. I was like, man, I wish more albums came out on Thursdays. You go into Friday, you listen to it Thursday, you get prepped, you figure yeah. out your favorite ones, and then you got the favorite ones on replay on Friday. Um, but um, there, yeah, it was a new album. Is uh, from Slushy. He's a EDM. He's a, it does like dubstep, some uh, some similar stuff to like uh, Marshmallow. It was really good. It was fantastic. It was forty two minutes long, fourteen tracks, got some bangers, little mix of everything. Like for, forty to fifty minutes is the sweet spot. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's a banger of an album, then you want it to be like an hour. Like, I need more of this, but 40 to 50 is usually perfect. Now, how do you feel about song length, though? Because you can take that 40 minutes, you can cut it up into, you know, eight tracks, or you can cut it up into 14 or 15 tracks. It depends. Uh, Johnny Cash had a great line about song length. Uh, He was recording a cover of You Are My Sunshine. And at the end of the song, he... uh, says, you know, when I feel my song was sung, then my song was sung. That's it. <laughs> like it doesn't, Charlie Crockett, same thing. You know, what's your music like? It's about three minutes. Yeah. No, that's, that's Link, a Length doesn't really matter too much. You know, a lot of women are saying that nowadays. Um, <laughs> you know, there's faulty measuring system, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Like you, you get a song like Hotel California or Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, longer. I think Bohemian Rhapsody is like six, seven minutes long. Yeah, it's long. Stairway to Heaven, like nine um, those songs you love to listen to that long, but then you get a shit song that's fucking five minutes. And you're like, why the fuck is this five minutes? Yeah. No, yeah, I feel like there's um, there's a lot of rappers who they may have a fire beat and a good verse, but they may not have a strong second verse or even have a hook or a chorus. Yeah. They're just like, I'm just spitting. It's like, because those songs always end up being a minute, like 30. And yeah. It's like, especially when the beat's really fire, I'm like, damn, I want this. I want like, can you just like remix it with another verse in there or something? Like, I just want it just a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but I know there are a lot of rappers who you'll, you'll get the hour long album. So the runtime overall is fine. But then there's like 25 tracks in there because there's so many one minute and two yeah. minute songs. And I'm just like, ah, you know, maybe like find your, your best 10 and, and condense it a little. Like, I don't think we needed all of them. Yeah. And that's a, a very popular thing among the country industry right now is putting out double albums. Even uh, Eric Church put out a triple album. Really? Um, 
but it's you know usually within those albums there's probably five songs that easily could have been cut not really relevant to the album just weaker songs that you're like this could have been a 15 song album versus you know 20 to 25 whatever mm-hmm. the fuck no, the, I think the album that I I always point to in the rap game is uh, was it Scorpion by Drake, the one that had um, like God's Plan on it, yeah. and there was like seven or eight like absolute bangers on there, and the album was like twenty tracks long, and the rest like it was either you were the banger, you're one of the seven or eight bangers, or you were like uh, just you're skip just there. it, yeah, yeah, and I was like, damn, if you would have just shortened the album down by. 10 tracks and get it to even 10 tracks yeah seven bangers and maybe a couple okays um i think he he could have won grammy of the year but i think it was just bloated yeah um donda felt that way at times as well kanye's last album it felt like eh, we didn't need all these like these are like uh, good demos maybe They're just filler songs really which yeah. i don't understand the need for they have to know are right, these songs probably aren't going to perform well not going to get a lot of plays mm-hmm. why are we going to put it on the album yeah, and it's funny because like we so we have two friends who are who are artists and they they put out quite a bit of music and um, I've sat down with them. So one of our friends, uh, Zach Quiet Down, um, he's a rapper. You can find him on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music, and all that. Um, he, um, I've seen his library of music that he has recorded and just not wanting to put out. Yeah, yeah. There are plenty of artists that you film and finish songs or have almost close to finished songs. And you just don't put them out. And so, and I like that when an artist is able to just hold back music and be like, this isn't perfect. This isn't in my vision. Yeah. So why am I going to put out an unfinished product technically? Yeah. Um, so I, I do enjoy a concise album. Like I know, um, what was it? Pink Floyd, all their albums are like 42, 50 minutes long, but they're only like five tracks long. Yeah. So they're very long like epic uh feeling because it, it you weave in and out of a story yeah and that's how led zeppelin similar thing a lot of longer songs uh like it's hard hard to find a led zeppelin song that's shorter than four minutes yeah exactly which is crazy because for being one of the like most commercially successful bands uh they uh i, I want i want to know what the radio was like back then when they were at their peak like were they playing these full ass fucking songs or did yeah. they have like radio edits maybe? They probably had some radio edits. Um, but I know like the problem with Bohemian Rhapsody when it first came out, um, one, it was just the operatic section and everything. So some radio DJs didn't like it. Uh, and two, it was just very long. So it didn't, didn't do well at first until I think Wayne's world came out and kind of shot that up the charts. Um, yeah, I think uh, some sometimes links for radio is. Yeah, I would hate to be listening to a radio station being like, "Welcome back to KC ninety six point three. Next hour, commercial free listening." Yeah, and you fucking you're like, "Wow, I can't wait to listen to all these great songs, commercial yeah. free." And then it's four songs yeah. because they're yeah. all like twelve minutes free, long. Yeah, you got Freebird, you got <laughs> Stairway to Heaven, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, this just, is great, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I was like, can we like maybe get a little yeah. wider selection? Yeah, that was 30 minutes. I only listened to three songs. And <laughs> um, oh, Dude, I'll do that with DJ mixes. So um, now, Apple, like I've mentioned before, Apple Music's been putting a lot more DJ mixes. And so it'll put like the song title and then it'll put a little parentheses mix. So, you know, this isn't the full song. This part of the song is mixed in and then all the songs just play together as like a set, um, like, a, like a DJ set. Yeah. Um, 
I always look at not only because the time is usually always one hour or one and a half or two hours. It's pretty standard because they're recorded from like a show. But then I always look at the track list. I'm like, you were given one hour to play whatever songs you wanted to. How many did you play? Yeah. Did you play 20 songs and we got like a good amount of every song? Did you play 45 songs and you were literally fucking mixing the whole time? It just fucking drop to drop to drop. Um, yeah, I always kind of look at that. house sets. It's always like, yeah, two and a half hours long. There were seven songs. And I'm yeah. like, wow, we're really we're really playing the 15, 20 minute versions here, yeah. aren't we? And, that, and that's a, another good thing about, you know, someone like Charlie Crockett who has shorter songs. You, I mean, you get to hear he'll, he'll play for what, hour and a half to two hours. And you hear just about every major song that he's ever dropped just because they're three minutes long. Like there's, Yeah. So, no, I, I really appreciate that because it makes it interesting and also the order, too. He really likes to mix up the order, so yeah. you never know. He doesn't always finish with a specific song or open up with something. He, he does a really good job. Yeah. There's a song on an album I talked about last week uh, by Wax Motif. It is called uh, Divided Souls with Diddy. And um, I love that song, but it's so ironic at the same time because it's a house, it's a house track, and you know the the vocals are, you know, I wish more DJs would play the twenty minute version of tracks. And I was like, I can't get into my thing on a four minute version. And it's like going on about like, you know, you want to, if it's a house song, it's a house set. Let's fucking let's play the long version. Let's just vibe out to the song for a bit, yeah. like get into your thing. That song's like two and a half minutes long. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you can't talk about playing the twenty minute version yeah, and no. then put out a song that short. Yeah. Like, and so I, I'm like, keep crossing my fingers. He, he'll put out, just, just fucking loop that for 20 minutes. That's fine. Cause it is a very vibey. Like you just want to vibe. You just want to like, I'm in my vibe and I'm going to stay here for some time. Um, but yeah, if I can, uh, it's so ironic. <laughs> um, but, uh, what have you been listening to? Uh, anything, uh, anything new you got going on? Yeah. So Friday, uh, Zach Bryan, who is phenomenal songwriter, country singer, he just put out a new song called From Austin. Absolute fucking banger. Um, it's about trying to, or just getting out of a relationship, trying to move on. Sort of sad song, but very good, though. Um, lyrically, he's a godsend. <laughs> um, what else? What else? Listen to some Cody Johnson today, trying to prepare next Saturday. Be going and seeing him in Dallas. I do that's dope, man. Yeah, um, always got Turnpike in there. You know they're back. Dude, they're back, man. Are they? Are they? So are they pretty much full blown tour at this point, or they just announced more dates? Um, I th- think it's full blown tour, sort of. Uh, they're every every day. Pretty much, they're coming out with new dates. And they, I saw you emailed yeah. me. They're playing at Whitewater in yeah, October. Yeah, you get your tickets. Uh, tomorrow they go on sale. Okay, I'll try. I'm hoping because it's a larger venue than like floors. I think mm-hmm. floors probably max holds three, four hundred people. Yeah, and uh, this one probably holds white water like a over over a thousand. Yeah, so I'm hoping. Uh, I was I was also listening to Bo Burnham, non ironically, unironically. Yeah, uh, he's so fucking talented. I'm convinced if he just wanted to do music. Like legit, legitimately, like do actual music. He could. 
Yeah, we uh, you texted me that day, and you were, you were talking about the year unironically listening to Bo Burnham, and I, and um, not yeah, like he, not only is he a great lyricist and he's able to be funny, um, but he's also just a good musician. Like, yeah. some of the songs are just legit good. Where I'm like, Man, this is like this is catchy. Yeah. Like I just wanted to like, keep this on. Great production, and the whole that whole last special inside uh, was shot. It was edited. It was produced it was written just all by him in his house alone it, when you i mean that's just in fucking sane yeah i just can't imagine because like it wasn't only that he did all that but he was literally he wrote that because of everything that was happening inside mentally yeah. so mentally he was not stable and so the fact that he was like okay i i'm fucked up this has been a bad situation for me this quarantine thing let me go ahead and write my masterpiece. Yeah. The fact that, yeah, he was so tormented by everything going on. It led him to create this. And not only did he just, Hey, here's the album. Uh, I was sad. Yeah. Uh, it was like, I'm going to bring you in to give you a visual of what's going on. Yeah. Um, so powerful. Like so, <laughs> so crazy. He was able to put out a product yeah. like that. And I love I think in the song, all eyes on me, uh, you know, he talks about how I think for five years he didn't perform and finally January of 2020, he was ready. He was going to start doing shows again. And then COVID hit and he was like, fuck. Yeah, that was great. Even like uh, that funny feeling. It's such a fantastic song on its own, like actually like a heartfelt song. Real. There's some comedy in it, obviously, but it's just a powerful songs i saw uh, someone said it's the we didn't start the fire of this generation <laughs> that's a good comparison actually yeah. a really good one fantastic though love bo burton yeah that's um i need to venture out more into that genre of music because uh, i guess the only like kind of close um i do is like um <laughs> well i guess we talked about last week that comedy comedy rap um more satirical Dude, Lil Dicky, yeah, he's like he's also in that category there. Uh, man, fucking Lil Dicky's so talented though. I'm just like, you just need to make some more real music, yeah. man. Like, I, I you're very funny, yes, yes, I get that. But like, if you want your shit to be on the radio, and he he goes over this in the show too. He talks about that a lot. Um, that he wants to make some like real music, no more like my dick small type of songs. Yes. Um, but um, did you? Oh yeah, you watched season two of Dave. I man, I haven't gotten. That I don't think shit. I finished it. But. I mean, he's shown that he can do, like, with Molly, uh, featuring Brendan Urie on vocals, my guy. That was a very serious song and a fantastic song. Yeah. No, so that's why I'm saying he's, like, shown it, that he can do it. It's just, like, we're waiting for that next big project to be, like, bam, here he is, Lil Dicky on the map. He's, um, But um, what was I going to say? Oh, man, I, I had a whole, like, Bunch of different lines of thought I was going to go with with that one. Oh, Rich Brian, which back when he had his old name, which is very racist, and he changed it to Rich Brian, so he realized, like, hey, I want, like, people to actually, like, uh, pay attention to me and listen to me and not be afraid to say my name. Uh, so he changed it to Rich Brian. Yeah. Uh, but he was all comedy, all comedy. First off, made all the funny YouTube videos and stuff, and then he, he transitioned into a serious actual fucking career. Which, Joji, same thing, homie of his, fucking, he's Filthy Frank on YouTube, and then he did the pink guy stuff, and then he transitioned to a an actual legit artist, and that every girl loves uh, Joji and his wonderful <laughs> ballads. When I think, uh, I mean, because the, there's a lot of skill that goes into making 
comedic music. You have to be very good at the production side of it so that your lyrics stand out a little bit and it doesn't sound corny or anything. There's a a huge element of talent that goes into it, which I think makes it easier for someone to go from the comedy style to actual music versus going vice versa, trying to go into the comedy section. You're either born funny or you're not. It, yeah. it, it's one of those things where it's funny when people like try to take lessons on stuff like that. I'm just like, nah, it's like, it's, it's about the timing. You either yeah. have the timing or you don't have the timing. Um, and you'll, you, I think everyone learns very early on in their life, whether or not they're funny. No one just kind of develops into like, Oh man, he's actually as funny. Maybe you may be awkward and you leverage your awkwardness to be like, Oh look, I'm cringe. Yeah. But I'm like, that's not being like genuinely funny. Like you're not, have good wordplay or anything you're just like ah he's weird yeah and i think a lot of that just also comes in what kind of family you grow up in i mean you've met my family they're all fucked up in the head love to laugh oh they make, make funny fucked you. Up jokes. yeah they yeah. the things that they say to you i'm just yeah. like wow are you sure this is your family yeah. they love you really yeah. no, that's what i grew <laughs> up with and that's our whole relationship as a family is just giving each other as much shit as possible dude but i love that though it's like oh, it's, it's great it's uh Mexican families are very similar in like you got to be able to take the shit just yeah. as well as you dish it out. So it's just like, yeah, you always have to be ready like, at any moment. You, you got to be like on your guard. Yeah. Like don't do anything stupid. You're fucking going to get made up for the rest of your life. I always tell this story about my sister. She, uh, there was one time we're going over to a friend's house for a barbecue. We were bringing the desserts. My sister asked the cake and we're like, all right. Um, I don't want I guess yeah, I guess I can't say her name. Um I was like we were just like Gabby, you got the cake. Don't drop the cake. She's like, I got it, Dad. Splat cake on the ground, baby. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my god, that's the most fucking just like ironic I got it, Dad. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. Oh no, that's man. great. Um, I used to have a catchphrase growing up, uh, and it was no wait, please. <laughs> <laughs> Any time I would either do something or say something stupid, I knew it was coming immediately, and I was like, I fucked up. It just, I mean, a barrage of insults. <laughs> no came. way, please. Yeah. Oh man, but like we'll we'll hold on to I'll hold on to moments like that, and I'll be whenever I'm like ready to throw it out, I'm gonna be like, Hey, Gabby, don't fucking cake this shit. Don't yeah. fucking drop it. And I will. Yeah, we all as a family just hold on to these little moments, yeah. and we're like ready to throw them at each other. And, and my sister got pulled over by a fire truck when she was learning to drive. Pulled uh, over which, by a fire yeah, truck. She was, you know, driving on this hill, like windy hill. Uh, I mean, she's swerving all over the place, and uh, fire truck is right behind them. And they turn on their lights because they think it's a drunk <laughs> driver. And uh, so my, they, it was her and my mom. They pull over like into this little neighborhood, whatever, and they both jump out of the car to switch seats real quick so my mom could start driving. And, uh, you know, the firemen come running out and my mom was like, she's learning to drive. We're sorry. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, thank God. They're like, we don't even know if we can pull people over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. Man, that's that's the one thing they don't teach you in fire in fire safety school. Yeah. It was like, if at any time you're not trying to rescue a house from a fire, yeah. you see drunk drivers, you be ready. Yeah, be ready to stop. Then they will stop. Oh man, <laughs> oh man, that's so fucking funny. But yeah, like yeah, comedy. It's one of the things you're right. 
you you have that talent it's easy to go from comedy music to normal music yeah. um weird Al, there, there's so many like cool old school ones like weird Al yankovic is one that yeah. everyone grew up fucking there there are many people i know who know his songs but don't know the originals yeah i think uh uh i heard white and nerdy before i heard uh I don't even know the name uh, of it. Yeah, uh, right, 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 and dirty, right, dirty, right, dirty, right, dirty. Yeah, yeah. No, I heard white and nerdy first. Like it was songs like well, that that are just iconic. Were you just looking up other white and nerdy people when you were a kid, and you're just like, I can't be the only white and nerdy kid? Yeah. And that song pulled up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. On the home computer in the computer room because that's how it worked back in the day. Yeah. Did you, well, I well, I've been to the house you grew up in, so I was gonna ask like, oh, did you guys have like a computer room? We did, yeah. Okay, and it was I was always on it, downloading music onto a burning music onto burning a from CD. LimeWire onto a CD. Yeah. yeah, no, same at my dad's house. He was like, "Hey, I want to get these songs." And I'd be like, "Oh, we can get them on iTunes." And I was like, oh, "I think we get it for free." And I'd be like, oh, "I don't know, Dad." Yeah. And uh, once I learned, I was like, "Well, I'm hooked at this point. It's his computer, not mine." So I was like, "I can't get in trouble." Yeah. Um, LimeWire was the best and the worst at the same time. Oh, but, it was yeah. you. I think LimeWire is what trained our brains to do a very specific skill. Yeah. Hear me out on this one. You ever uh, you ever have to convert like a Word document to a PDF and yes. you go through those sketchy websites? You, you put in the document, you upload it, and it's like, all right, we'll get back to you in like 10 seconds. The page loads up and there's a million things on there all saying like click to download, click to open, click to download. There's a million yeah. of them. LimeWire prepared us for dealing with that situation specifically. Because if you looked up a song on LimeWire, it, you'd pull up millions, millions of different versions. And LimeWire trained you, you can't just trust it just by glancing, oh, well, the name's right and the artist's yeah. right. It must be the correct song. You learned and it trained you like, that's a fake right there. Yep. That one's probably going to have a radio intro or some bullshit <laughs> in it. You, you're able to scan through it and learn. That's what that prepared you for, knowing the fake links from the real links. That, I mean, it taught you a lot of basic skills, like how to burn shit onto a CD, which you don't need to know now because no. CDs aren't a thing. That computer does not have a CD drive in it. But growing up, it was just taught you basic shit about computers. Yeah, it, you really got to, man, uh, yeah, computers in like the early 2000s were crazy. Like, I remember in school, we would always, for some reason in elementary school, all of our classrooms had like three computers in there. And it was like not relevant because it yeah. was just like, I don't know, there's only three and there's 20 students. What are we, take turns playing the math game or whatever? Yeah, um, yeah it was weird. They Like, schools didn't know how to incorporate technology at the time. They were like, there's this thing called the internet, yeah. and we're going to use it. And I was like, all right, well, how are we going to use it to teach? I don't know yet, but put the computers in the classroom. We'll figure it out. I remember when they finally got, or at least my school, we got called cows. Yep. Yeah. Everyone had a fucking Mac certain one assigned to you wait you got max in your cows yeah oh my god you guys are wow you guys really are bougie and rich uh we got like fucking shitty like google chromes oh yeah no, like we, the chromebooks it, it like garbage i mean we're you know upper middle class white area you know we get the nice shit now, i grew up in the hood yeah so no, we had the, and I don't know if it was because they didn't want to put that power into 
students of our caliber because like for us if you just give us a free computer it's like oh we're gonna fucking we're gonna go ham on it yeah is it oh you have like security blocks to get through the wi-fi <laughs> we got that we'll just yeah. take that down that's fine <laughs> and uh giving us you know, a chromebook it was like oh you can go to the internet and that's it you can't like really download programs or uh yeah did you everything through google docs and it was absolute garbage not getting the experience of learning microsoft office yeah very garbage that's why i would always bring my own computer but once again, it was a Mac. I did grow up in a Mac family. It, everything's so... It's hard to explain to a PC user when you only knew Macs. Mm-hmm. How do I do this thing? No, it's completely different. Yeah, it's... Oh, man, it's so confusing. But yeah, it was weird. Cause I think nowadays, most people prefer no to use a Mac than an actual PC. Uh, just because you're... Uh, if you're going through high school to college, you want to get that first laptop to get you by... A lot of people, they just go, oh, well, Apple's popular. I guess we'll get that one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, I got a MacBook Air. Yeah. I got, it's more you. I mean, I'm not a big tech person, especially when it comes to computers and stuff. Macs are just very user friendly. It's not very difficult to figure shit out. Yeah, it's like learning an iPhone. An iPhone is intuitive. You give a three-year-old an iPhone, they'll have that figured out in two seconds. Yeah. Macs, it feels very user friendly. And uh, they have become the user friendly version. Not the most cost efficient, though. No. PC is still cheap. It's so much cheaper to get like just a shitty, you know, laptop at Best Buy than it is to buy a Mac. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mac users definitely, um, definitely, I feel like a lot more Mac users nowadays than there are. Um, oh man. Uh, what's it called? Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other music I was listening to this week. Uh, I listened to that album and I think I listened to one other. There was another dubstep producer. His name was, his name is Tynan. He's from Oklahoma. I listened to his uh, EP. It was pretty good. Uh, it was dubstep, like a little different than stuff I was used to. Uh, Earth Gang put out an album, uh, Ghetto Gods. That was really good. I really enjoyed that one. Um, the song with uh, Jid and J. Cole, Fire. I was like, when I was I was listening to it and I wasn't like looking at the track list. And I was like, that sounds familiar. I'm like, oh, that's J.I.D. And then uh, a few seconds later on the next verse, like, that also sounds familiar. That J. Cole. I looked on the phone, hey. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, but they're all like in that same kind of like music group together. They all make songs together yeah. and, and and record together. Um, oh man, there's been a there's been a show that's kind of popped up in my life a lot lately, and I'm curious if you watched it when you were younger. Do you ever watch the show Arthur? I uh, occasionally. I wasn't like a religious watcher. I just saw a few episodes. But. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to be like a follower for that show because like. It comes out so early in the day, like, well, at least when I was in elementary, by the time we were picked up and got home, yeah. it was already over. So, Plus but, it was on PBS. Yeah, it's also on a weird channel, a channel you're not going to look at. I know for us, we're sports people, so I know when I used to turn on the TV as a kid, it would go to ESPN first. Yeah. I wouldn't even look at the local channels, just straight ESPN. Um, but when I was younger, younger... <laughs> um, a big Arthur fan. Like, I don't know why my family always they're like, yeah, I used to love Arthur. And I was like, yeah, I remember liking Arthur. I don't remember being that special in my life, but they're always like, yeah, you're a big Arthur fan. I've been watching some episodes lately and, um, for it being a kid's show and like trying to teach good, positive lessons, it actually does a really good job. That doesn't make you feel like you like you're being told what to do. Or like yeah. what's the right way to do things. You ever watch veggie tales? Of course. Love VeggieTales. Yeah, that one felt like it was throwing it in your face a little bit. Like, yeah. this is the episode where we learn about not to cheat on your wife. Yeah. And I'll be like, 
uh, I, okay, I guess. They had some bangers, though. <laughs> there were moments that were absolutely hilarious yeah. in that show. That's another one I want to go back and, like, I think as an adult we'll get funnier. Oh, yeah. Um, but Arthur, who, there is someone who who's a very, very funny Zoomer running their TikTok account because they're literally pulling out all the memes and bangers and I'm just like, no, no adult is running this account. Uh, someone who's, or no, like, old adult at PBS is doing this. They hired some young Zoomer, 22, 23 years old, making all these fucking memes. Yeah. Because it's just gold on that TikTok account all fucking day. I, I mean, the that's, I would say the main thing I know Arthur from now is just memes. Like, I just, obviously yeah, like, there's the fist the meme. Fist. Like, that's probably one of the biggest memes of the 2010s. There was um there was one TikTok I was I I debated in my head I was like I could play it technically but I was like I don't want I'll just explain it instead where there's this kid coming up to DW and Arthur and she's like oh can I join in the race and I was like no this is a race for uh, people with siblings and I was like you're a lonely child and I was like and Arthur goes DW why are you taking so long you're about to be a, a lonely child when we <laughs> send you back uh, to the terrible sister store and I was like whoa I was like okay what a fucking yeah. diss. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Arthur, Arthur had some low-key, like, fucking disses in his in uh, a lot of the original episodes. That's a very uh, Rick Tamlin line. Where'd you yeah. get those clothes at the toilet store? <laughs> <laughs> that is a very Rick Tamlin. Yeah. It was delivered in his same, like, similar, like, yeah. cadence and everything, too. Um, there was a, another band that actually I got introduced to by Arthur. I was I happened to be at my grandparents' house and I was watching an episode and they featured a band and I was like, Oh, they didn't mention the name of the band. So I was like, Oh, they must be some no name band, like they're not actual people or meant to represent an actual band. Until the end it was like, Oh, special thanks to and it named the band members and the name of the band. It's called Bang on a Can All Stars. Have you guys have you heard about these guys before? Uh, I can't say that I have. Uh, exactly. Um they're like a ensemble group. They've done some classical music. Like they have this one album. It says Brian Eno, music for airports, live. That's riveting. Exactly. And I think that's stuff we got to be listening to. We yeah. got to go back to our roots, man. We got some classical. So yeah. I want the greatest elevator music hits of all time. And I think we can get that to the top of the charts yeah. right there. We just need, really, we need Wii music back. Oh, we dude, had yeah. The, like the Wii menu just had the greatest songs. That's, I mean, that's my childhood right there. So I 100% agree with you, but I completely misheard you. You said the we music. Yeah. And I thought you said we need to bring back weed music. I mean, we and I was music like, too. yeah, man, you know, a little reggae, you know, like some slower stuff. Like I'm, I'm all down for that. We do need a resurgence in reggae and like the psychedelic rock music again. Tim Paul is trying to do it, man. He's trying. He's, he's the only one really pushing the genre forward right now for psychedelic rock. We need to bring Jim Morrison back. Dude, we can just have, we'll get a hologram of him and then we'll do a seance and we'll bring his soul into the hologram oh, and we'll bring great. him back to life. Yeah. yeah, we got it. We got it. We'll do it at Coachella. Coachella yes. 2023. You'll see us there. Bring back Jim Morrison. I mean, you just, I mean, psychedelic rock was defined by the doors and Jimi Hendrix. Like, those oh, were dude. just literally so on good. psychedelics and yeah. why it sounds the way it sounds. Yeah. And I think both part of the 27 Club. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, very sad. Which, so uh, 
off this is really off from music here but I, I did watch an interesting youtube video today that i wanted to recommend to you something that's i think out of both of our wheelhouses but i thought it was so fascinating i accidentally watched all three videos and they were each like yeah. 25 minutes long um it was uh, this youtube channel called soft white underbelly uh, they have like 3 million followers, subscribers, so they, they have a following. Um, and all their videos do well over a million, so they're, they're popular videos, all, all of them. But the series that they had was a three-part series, and it was super, super interesting. It was an uh, interview with a functioning uh, heroin addict. And it was just this real laid-back dude just explaining his addiction to heroin. And he just complained like, yeah, I've got good days, i got bad days, you know, I've tried to quit. And now I just, you know, kind of, I get up and I do heroin, I smoke heroin yeah. and I just care. And just going through like his life and the following videos are like about his recovery and, you know, after a few months and whatever, what, what's it been like? Has it been good, bad? Is it getting better? And it was a crazy, he like, he's just such a down to earth guy, super, super chill. And I think it was, a, it was a really, really fun to watch. Yeah. Check that out. Um, I mean, I'm. You know, I do a lot of heroin myself. It's great. Yeah, you know. so I wanted you to learn from it's, him. <laughs> yeah, about like yeah. how to fix your heroin yeah. addiction. It's not an addiction, okay? I can quit anytime I want. I just don't want to. Well, that's the crazy part about it. Is I, I watched another video about um, what it's like quitting marijuana and like what like what what your body goes through. Yeah. For heroin, the guy was saying like it's 12 hours and he's already feeling like sick to his stomach like he wants to die. Oh, yeah, no, they go through hell when they're trying to get clean yeah and so like i was like holy shit i was like i didn't realize i thought with charles you just like oh have a craving you know like i have a craving for an oreo yeah no <laughs> but no it's like a physical body shutdown yeah because um, your body's used to those toxins being in there and that feeling of being high that you always have and then all of a sudden it doesn't have that for a couple hours and it's like all right we're, we're done here <laughs> Yeah, it makes me really rethink artists that have like drug overdoses. Yeah, we we do have a lot of them where there's they're maybe what they're buying was laced with something else. That is one thing. Yeah, but then you you still ask the original question like why were they doing it so much that they even took a risk or they were in contact with someone who would try to lace their yeah. stuff. Um, that like man, some of these drug addictions for some of these music artists, I'm like, damn, like I I understand like I'm getting a better picture of what it's like when you're dependent mm -hmm. on on a substance like that. That? I mean, Amy Winehouse. Oh, man, so sad. Like, Couldn't quit. And um, there, was a, there was an interview or a video I was watching, or I think it was a podcast where they are talking about how, like, she was so close to clean. Like, yeah. she was on the path and just just a bad, bad relapse, and it cost her everything. Maybe she should have gone to rehab. Dude, I, mean, I know. It's, oh, man, she... I, I feel bad for making that joke. I'm sorry, Amy. <laughs> She, cause she's literally screaming out and crying for help, but then won't accept the help yeah. and then finally accepted the help and she's getting better. And her best friends, like she was literally on the road to recovery and like she was doing well on just one bad day. Yeah. But dude, man, fucking drug addiction, drug addiction, drugs and music are, will always be tied together and it really sucks because there's so much negative and sometimes I feel like the negative is greater than yeah. the positive. Um, well, it's just, I mean. That fucking amount of pressure they're under, and then just constant touring, constantly having to go back to the studio, record another album, back to promote that album, then another tour, nonstop, just year after year, always on the move. We um we saw that with the Beatles. The yeah. Beatles had issues with that, um, and just uh, John Lennon went through a lot of issues with drugs and everything, and that affected the music, and that affected the band's ability to get together and. 
They were strict. They were fucking strict. They were like fucking these. We have to put on. We need to have an album created in this amount of time because mm-hmm. we have to go on tour starting this date. Yeah, promoting the album. And so, yeah, man, drugs really affected the band in good ways at times with some psychedelics, but yeah. at very bad times with some of the harder drugs. Like, whoa, no, yeah, like it really, really hurt the band. I feel like I mean the music industry. I feel like is doing a better job, or just artists in general of you have to take some time off. That's why now it's rare to have people put out uh, an album every year. Usually every two years, they'll put the album out, go on tour, and then take some time, and then come back the following year and record something. Dude, I so I, I give them a lot of shit, but I also do really love their music. Is Portugal the Man? Yeah. Um, they're one of those bands that they're like, we're not going to rush an album. We're like, they lived off the 2016 success of Woodstock did their tours or whatever, and we're like, all right, we'll see you guys in a few years, I guess. Yep. And they just went into hiding. They made some music, and now they're back on tour again. Yep. And uh, I think, yeah, the pressure of labels just... Fucking labels are... Oh, man, they can be they can be evil sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people think like, oh, well, you know, why do these people keep signing to record labels then? I was like, well, they sign it because they have to. You know, the record label's dangling money in your face going, if you give us three albums and give, it all, give us all the rights to you, to it, we'll give you two million dollars right now. Yeah, and for a lot of these artists, it's like, well, I'm broke. Like, I didn't make any money off the last mixtape or whatever I put out, or I haven't made any money yet. And they're like, well, I guess this is my opportunity. Then they lose all the streaming rights, and the two million dollars doesn't last, or however much their sign-in bonus was. Dude, labels are labels suck, man. Oh yeah, well, it's all about money for them. For a lot of them, there are some good ones. Usually, it's the the indie labels, yeah, the smaller ones. Did you, do you, are you familiar with the story of Frank Ocean and how he finessed um, Universal Music Group? I am not. Um, so uh, I hate it. I feel like I've been talking a ton today's episode and I apologize for that. Oh, that's good. I'm fucking dead. Okay. Well then <laughs> I guess let me, let me go on <laughs> yeah. this story then. So Frank Ocean, he's an artist. Uh, are you familiar with Frank Ocean? Yes. Um, so he's got, you know, Channel Orange and Blonde uh, were his two, two big albums, and then he has the mixtape before that. Um, so he put out the original mixtape. He was with Odd Future, doing some stuff with Tyler and those guys, uh, Earl Sweatshirt and all that. And then he decided to do his own thing, and he popped off with this mixtape, and Universal was like, hey, like, we love your shit. We will give you $2 million as a sign-on bonus, and you give us two albums. And he was like, Okay, so he was trying to make the first album, didn't get any help from the label. They just kind of were like, we gave you the money, go make the albums now. No support. So he, he, you know, gets the album finished and he puts out Channel Orange and it's a massive success, multiple Grammys, you know, put him on the map, really, really put him on the map for once. And the label goes, wow, what an amazing talent we have here. Frank Ocean, we love him. He's one of our best guys. And he's like, what? Like, y'all didn't support me at all. Like, fuck y'all. Like, you literally didn't help at all. This was all me. You can't take credit for my shit. Yeah. So that's when he starts planning. He's like, all right, well, fuck y'all then. So the from when he created the plan to when he executed it, it was a seven-year plan. How to fuck over Universal Music Group. So what he did was, he was like, okay, I'm on contract for one more album. I'm going to give them that fucking album. But I'm going to make a deal with them. He said, all right, I'm going to give you this album, but 
I'm going to give you back the $2 million and I want all the rights to my albums. And they were like, you know what? Okay, fine. You'll pay us back the money. Fine. We'll give you the rights to both your albums. Just give us our other album. And so he goes, puts out a live stream. Live streams him building a staircase. Building this fucking staircase just to nowhere. And it's like symbolic because he's literally climbing to nowhere as he's with Universal. Absolute just nothing. It's, It's a nothing album. There's nothing in the album. But he goes, that's my second album. I'm done with you. And the following day, he releases Blonde. And that album, put he made millions and millions of dollars because he had the full control and rights over that next album. When he gave him back the money, he wasn't just like, uh, you know, I want to just out of the contract because yeah. he could easily just put out the album. But he wanted to make sure he got the rights to Channel Orange back. Yeah. Um, the second album was garbage. He knew he wasn't going to make any money on that. But he was just using that as his ploy and just his geniusness of like, I'm going to fucking put the wooden fucking horse, like the chariot, and I'm going to fucking hide my bomb in there yeah. and blow y'all up and just made buku money off that third album. I wish more people would fuck over these major labels like that. Dude, and yeah, and they're never going to feel it either. No. The New Universe is going to be like, well, the, the millions of dollars we lost that. They're just like, oh, fucking dumb. Yeah. He was like, uh, all right, whatever. Frank Ocean doing a crazy stunt. Yeah. And yeah, they're never going to realize that the money they lost. Like, no. it doesn't affect them. So that's why I'm like, yeah, fucking fuck over the labels. Do something crazy like that. But that's one of those stories that I'm just like, damn, Frank Ocean, a badass. And I learned when I was looking up that story because I wanted to learn more about it. He picked his name because he loved Danny Ocean in the Ocean's movies. And this was his Danny Ocean moment, his seven year plan to fuck over Universal Music Group. It was crazy. Genius. So fucking genius. But as it goes more and more to show how crazy the talent Tyler had around him, Tyler the Creator had around him so early on in his career, every artist that's been around him in the odd future has gone on to do massive things in the hip hop and just in music in general. And I'm just like, damn, you surrounded yourself with some fucking winners. Like uh, you, I don't know if it was you coached him up or you just saw greatness and you were like, I'm going to be friends with this person. But like, I'd say probably the latter. Yeah. And usually, you know, you try to find, you know, a friend group that has similar values, similar goals as you. And they'll do whatever it takes to get to that goal. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how we'll see that in other forms of media like YouTube. Yeah. Where you'll just get a group of friends who one guy has a YouTube channel and they all play together. So you get to know the other guys. The other guys make the YouTube channel. Yeah. And next thing you know, you got, you know, Tommy in it. And you got Dream, you know, in his Minecraft, you know, giant group. And it's like, wow, all these people are like multi, you know, million subscriber channels now. Yeah. Just because, oh, they were just a group of friends who all thought this stuff was funny and they made videos. That whole group with, they didn't start together, but uh, Tim the Tapman, Nick Merckx, uh, Courage, fucking Dr. Disrespect. Yeah. They're all just fucking massive now. So they're the face of that fucking company, man. Yeah. Um, and then, well, right now it's, it's changing. There's, uh, you know, gameplay, first person shooter gameplay was real big. For a period of time, and those guys were the leaders. They, yeah. you know, a little mix of Fortnite, a little mix of PUBG in there, but for the most person, first person shooters was their was their thing. Uh, which Fortnite's still popular; people still tune in for whatever but, reason. Uh, yeah, man, you know they got their favorite content creators. I was, I had, I went through my phase where I was uh, watching a lot of Fortnite videos and <laughs> you know streams and playing and like I went. I just yeah. hate Fortnite. Never got into it. 
Oh man, I think I think you missed the bus, unfortunately, because I feel like in the early seasons, it was fresh and raw, and it was like, wow, this is crazy. It felt like an actual game. Now it's like a game within a game within a yeah. game. It's like, oh, I don't actually play to win the battle royale. I'm playing to do these side missions, yeah. like collect these collectibles, and I'm like, what? What is the game now at this yeah. point? Like, it's not a battle royale like it started off as. It's it's a, just a whole different game. Um. But yeah, there's a Twitch now has been changing over from first person shooters as their main focus of like their their content. But there are a lot of people who just chat that they're just they they talk with their chat and maybe do some some watch some YouTube videos or there's people just live streaming just like um what's the show on the Food Network uh, where they have um, the basket with the the stuff in there and they don't know what's in the basket. It's called um, Chopped. Oh yeah, the people just be streaming chopped, and like yeah. that's their whole channel. Like, yeah, we're just doing chopped commentary. We're on season six today. And well, I think a lot of that is just with the pandemic happening. A lot of people were in quarantine; they don't have that social interaction like most everyday people would. So they have to go online to get that. That's where you know you just have a lot of these people pop up who their whole thing is they just sit there and they talk to chat. Yeah, it's like you're like being you said, brought into the friend videos. Group. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it, man. Because I think that's why they blew up. And yeah, they'll do some gameplay stuff. Like I know um, one one person I've been following a lot recently. Her name is Susu JPG. She does uh, a lot of videos. Um, it's kind of all over the place. I, it's impossible to describe her content. It's it would take too long to try to explain some of her videos. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, what's his face? Moist critical is, is really big and he does a lot of weird stuff. Um, Hassan Abi really popular. Was it Mitsif or Mitskif? He's another one of those that spends the whole time just chatting. Yeah. They're just like not actually like really doing anything, but just hanging out. And, uh, but they're, they're becoming the big names right now in, um, in Twitch. It's crazy to just to see, I mean, the turnover with Twitch and YouTube, just who's gotten big and who hasn't that should have, whatever, just since we were, you know, in high school or whatever. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, yeah, looking at trajectories of certain channels and how uh, some channels are, like, are just on a constant, steady, linear rise. Like, they're making yeah. consistent growth every single year. No crazy spikes or anything. It's just consistent. They're... Uh, someone like an Igestine. Yeah. She has been just consistently growing in subscribers and followers. Nothing, no crazy event, like got a sudden spike in viewers or she lost a ton. It was just consistent all the way through. A PewDiePie seems to just always get bigger. I don't, I don't know how he can get any. He's probably. Everyone the on the planet five, subscribes to him. Yeah, he's probably yeah one of the top five. He has 7 billion subscribers. Yeah, he does not. Uh, He's right there. <laughs> I'd say. I mean, <laughs> most people who are on YouTube are probably subscribed to him. How many yeah. does he have now? I so the last I checked was a few years ago, and it was like over fifty million. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. It's got to be way higher than that now. Uh, let's take a look. Go to YouTube I'm here. Pretty sure he's over a hundred million. Oh man, I hate. I'm logged in, so it's gonna like think I like PewDiePie or something. And I'd be like, no, I'm just looking at 111 million. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Just... And even, I mean, shit will come out and that something he's done that's, you know, not great. Like the whole, what it, the Nazi thing, whatever. I don't fucking Didn't know. Didn't he say the N-word one time too? Probably. Uh, but um, he'd never, like he'll lose maybe a couple million followers or something or subscribers. It's not even a dent. He didn't even notice it. No. And then it'll go right back up another 10 million the next day. Like it's. Yeah. 
He's on. He's he's been on a path of linear, like just growth. It yeah. was it was very um, exponential at first, and he had a huge uh, increase in followers real quickly, and then it just became like linear, it's just yeah. like steady, consistent growth. <laughs> like I bet they have that forecasted, and we're like, oh, he'll hit two two hundred million on this date. He's projected to hit you know five hundred million on this date because yeah. it's so linear. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's crazy just looking at some of those numbers, but that's just someone who he just stick with the content, never innovated. So he never got a crazy spike. Yeah. Um, but I then mean, also, oh, sorry, good. I was just going to, I remember the day that Tim, the tap man got a huge fucking spike when he finally won a game of fall guys. Oh yeah. And it, just man. Went, it was everywhere. I mean, every fucking page on Instagram was posting about it. Twitter was lighting up about Dude, it. Even like ESPN was tweeting yeah. about it. There was like, is Tim, the tap man going to get the fir- his first yeah. win finally. Yeah. Oh man! Did you play Fall Guys when it came out? I did not. No, it looked fun. Your PlayStation? It, it was free. Yeah, I never. Had, I didn't have anyone to play with. I don't have. We friends. knew each other at the time. Yeah. You, you know. Oh, I right, get it. I get it. You know. Fine. All right. Next time I'm yeah. gonna play a game, I'm just gonna be like, No, I'm not gonna car either. Yeah. You know, I ask you to play Destiny all the time, even though I know you won't do it. I, I played always, for a couple always, days with you. Yeah, you did. We need to get back into it. Yeah. Destiny. It's it's very good. Very good right now. Obviously, play for free, and then you buy the DLC when you're ready. Yeah, if you ever get it. But um, yeah, no, um, yeah, Fall Guys is fun. It was fun, but yeah, there are moments like that. Like, do you remember when uh, Ninja and Drake played Fortnite together? Yeah, that put Ninja on the map for me. It was like, who the fuck? Who is Ninja? Like, wow, that's cool. You have to at Ninja on Twitter. Like, that's, that's smart. Like, oh, that's just his name. Like, that's his branding and everything. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. Um, but yeah, that actually kind of also put Fortnite on the map for me. I really didn't know much about Fortnite until that point. I mean, nin- yeah, Ninja was probably the biggest reason Fortnite flew, uh, blew up. Yeah. He, he carried that game for the first five seasons. And then after that, there were so many content creators. Mm-hmm. It, it just, oh man, it's so crazy. And the competitive scene went off. Yeah. The history of Fortnite is one of those. I want to watch a, an hour long video just breaking down the history of Fortnite. Um, cause it's something I, I lived through, but there's still many things I don't know about. Yeah. Which like currently we're always living through history. Aren't we here? In we are always, I mean, it's fucking, obviously we know that someday shit that we lived through is going to be in textbooks, but yeah. I didn't expect the quantity of events that I was going to witness that are like, this hasn't happened in a hundred years. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like astronomical. Cause like, look, if you, if you, if you could, tally up all the major events from 1900 to 2000 there's a lot of major events you, yeah you, you have two world wars that happened great depression great depression yeah the, i mean the roaring 20s then the great depression um, prohibition right yeah no then they um what's it called um they <laughs> ended segregation and stuff yeah. um i mean there's so many crazy things but if you tied it up there's been an abnormal spike in historic events in the last 20 years, though. I think in our lifetime, we've had uh, 9-11 mm-hmm. was probably the first huge event in our life. I will. I think there's one that happened because I'm a little bit older. Um, if I have my dates right, when was the Oklahoma City bomb- bombing? It was 93. Ah, okay, just before me. I believe. Okay. Yeah, it was like, it's it's somewhere around when I was born, like May of like ninety four or something. Um, but yeah, but still in that same vein, it's like we're having crazy terrorist attacks and stuff that we had never seen before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I mean 
multiple wars. Yeah. Iraq war and the we had a recession. Huge recession. The yeah. housing market fucking bombed. Uh we had natural disasters that just decimated cities. Record breaking national disasters. Yeah. Like the, I think this year we had the largest tornado ever recorded. Yo, I did not hear about that at all. And, uh, want to say it was in like Kentucky or some shit. I don't fucking know. Somewhere oh, over there. you're right. I did hear a little bit. I just didn't realize it was that big. Yeah. I just knew it was a large area. Didn't, didn't hear about the big part. Yeah. It's, there's been a huge spike in, you know, things that would go in a U.S. textbook. Yeah. Um, in our past 20 years or so. Of and life. Now we're seeing what could be the beginning of the third world war. Yeah, man, I'm just hoping it all come, it just all gets resolved whichever way. Just be like, hey, you know, we figured it out. But, you know, I think, uh, I honestly have high hopes that that's going to get resolved much faster than the MLB lockout. That's for sure. It will. Yeah. Um, The MLB lockout will not get resolved. No, because Rob Manfred sucks as a fucking commissioner. Absolutely. (laughs) But like, look, uh, I'm on the player side. You know, I was doing some more research about it today. I saw we're going to miss the first basically week of, of baseball. We're going to miss opening day. Um, look, young players are getting fucked over. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're holding them at these bullshit long contracts with no money in it. Yeah, what do you have to have? Seven years of service time before you can be a free agent, which for a lot of guys, that's their age 30 season. Yeah. So they're middle towards the end of their prime already. Exactly. And so they're fucking, it's just absolute bullshit. And like, and I, I get it. So people go, well, baseball players are, you know, paid so much money. I was like, no, no, no. The top of the top are paid crazy tons of money. Everyone else is fucking making league minimums, man. If you're in the minor leagues, you're making 50,000 a year. Yeah. Teachers are making more money than that. And it's bullshit because this is the next big athlete. This is the guy who's going to be on the Wheaties box one day. Um, and they're just getting paid nothing. Yeah. And I even, I I hate the argument that, yes, obviously athletes are paid a ridiculous amount of money, but at the same time, they should be getting their fair share. Exactly. This, it's, you know, any company you work for, all right, the owner of this company is making this much, or the company itself is making this much money, a certain percentage of that, a good percentage of that should go to the employees. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what the dollar amount is. I mean, you know, I'm... We make whatever we make. Yeah, we make a some amount of money. A some amount. Yeah. Right. And but there's a certain number that we hit where this is a fair amount for us to make. And it's the same with any rich person in the world. There's a fair amount of money that they should be making. I don't want to get too far into it because we are at the fifty eight minute mark here. But I, I saw a really cool TikTok and uh, I just I'll just give you the, the brief rundown of it. Um it was a economic professor going over that if you're being paid $20 an hour, your output should be $20 worth of value to the company. Yeah. But that's a perfect world. But in that perfect world, the employee or the employer doesn't make any money. The money that you've generated goes straight to you. The employer is a middleman and is, doesn't make any money. You can't run a business that way. No. You got to make a profit. So the work you're putting in is not $20 an hour worth of work. It's well over that because they're going to keep all that in profit and just mm-hmm. give you some of it and go, yeah, this is eh, this is what we'll give you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It just, 
you've got to look at it that way with the baseball players too. It's like, no, they're not being paid fairly, man. No. They are not. The amount that the owners are making is so astronomically crazy. 2019, I think, is the last year that are on record right now for the <coughs> league revenue. Uh, the MOB made $11 billion. Yeah, $11 billion, yet, you know, the majority of your players are barely, literally scraping by. Yeah. Um, it's just like, look, man, I, I, like you said, you know, you know, some athletes, yeah, they do make a lot of money, but there are still a lot of athletes that, hey, man, they fucking, you know, let's be fair about the fucking system at least a little yeah. bit, even it out. I don't know. It, we'll see if we get any baseball this year. I'm sure we will eventually. But, um, you know, it just when it'll start. Um, I guess one last thing, just because, and this is what I want to talk about. It's on my mind. Uh, March Madness coming up. We're getting ready. You it excited? Is. I'm very excited. Already trying to plan, you know, my leagues I'm going to be in. I need to do a little bit of research. I haven't watched much college basketball this year. Pretty much, you just got to put Texas Tech all the way in the championship. This is our year. Duh, obviously. I am. I've. Loosely been keeping up with Notre Dame this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like to I rarely watch their basketball team just because they usually suck. We've had a couple good runs, I think, in 2016 when we made the run to the Elite Eight, lost by two to Kentucky. Yeah. Um, but this year, we've been fucking killing it. Are y'all, y'all ranked? I don't think we're ranked, but we should be. Uh, every team, it says every team that's not ranked. Well, it's just the teams that we've beaten. Uh, in our, I mean, You've we're, got in good the, wins. we're in the toughest basketball conference with the ACC. I would. Uh, we don't have uh, enough time to go into it, but uh, yeah, the Big Twelve is clearly the best. Uh, yeah, Duke, North Carolina, Miami, Virginia. Uh, look Syracuse. at Duke and North Carolina's records. Huh? Uh, I, those hey, Duke is twenty six and four, and we beat Duke. So, hey, what do you say about that? Look, good win, good win. But I don't think this year the ACC is the best conference. I think the Big 12 is still fairly Maybe this stacked. year, sure. But in general, usually the ACC is the cream of the crop. For it's basketball. got big names. It's yeah. got big names in there. That's for sure. But the Big 12 will always be showing up. We do well in our inner conference um, showdowns and stuff. I think we played the SEC this year. I think all of our teams won their games against the SEC. Granted, SEC, not a good basketball school. They have some yeah. good teams, Arkansas and Alabama. Um, but uh, overall, they're not exactly a basketball conference. No, we are not ranked, but we're twenty-one and nine. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to go too long into it. But obviously, as the game as we get ready to be closer to, to bracket Sunday, we're, we're de- you're definitely going to hear more t- more uh, talk about it because I love talking about March Madness. Oh yeah, it's probably the most fun time for any sport mm-hmm. throughout the year. But uh, do you have anything else before we close it out here? Uh, Lakers suck. I'm taking applications for new teams. Uh, be a Thunder fan. We'll be Brony yeah. and LeBron fans. I'm not <laughs> saying I'm going to accept the application. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm, you're taking them. I'm, I'm taking them. I'm you're keeping, perusing the selection. I'm keeping my options open. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, that's going to do it from us. Uh, I've been your host, Alejandro, as well as joined by Riley. Uh, this has been episode number 34 of Riffs on Tap. If you like what you heard, please share it with pe- with uh, your friends. Family, anyone, just tell us about Riffs on Tap. Just go tell them, go riffsontap.com. Look it up. 
But if you do want links to the music we've been listening to, uh, where to grab our other episodes, uh, we've you know we have thirty three other episodes for you to listen to. Go back and listen to uh, some of the older stuff. Uh, you can find all that at riffsontap.com, as well as links to all of our socials will be there as well. But once again, I want to thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye bye.